Hello, and welcome to episode 7 of The Paper Crane, a podcast from Codes in the Clouds and the Misspent Youth Productions. I am Jack. My name is Kieran. I'm Joe. And I'm Steve. And this week's guest is Jessica Moss, member of the Silverman Zion, solo artist, frequent collaborator. She was talking to us all the way from Montreal, Canada. Very whoa, exciting. Whoa, 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 whoa. What's this going on? Is... What? This is sounding an awful lot like fact. Yeah, I don't know why oh. you're getting into my... Uh, Was I messing with the circuitry of the robot? Sorry, mate, I don't want to get your chips all fried. You are stepping on some very metallic toes there, <laughs> oh, My apologies, my apologies. But yes, Jessica Moss, what a great chat. Unfortunately, Joe couldn't make this one, so it was just the trio of cool lads. Yep. This, is the, this is the first one without my, my dulcet tones, my nasal... Sounds. It was a lot Without our producer, Joe. Yeah. Joe is the producer of this. And f- from what I understand, it was an absolute fucking nightmare without me. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't want to. I don't want to edit a podcast ever again. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how you do it. Kieran had a hard time. He had a really hard time. That was, that was a stressful call. Yeah, I was. I was very happy to hear that you had a horrible time. Kieran, <laughs> Kieran actually sent me a text saying, um, I finally have some respect for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it uh, was it was the reason it was a, a tough edit was because she was so generous with her time. And very we generous. spoke for so long and yeah, I mean we cut out a lot of great stuff in the end we had to. Because yeah, it was sure. such an interesting chat. She was so great with us. And it was proper, like, again, meeting some musical idols that we seem to be doing with this podcast. Yeah, I mean, we cut yeah. it out of the podcast, but I did spend about five minutes at the end telling her how much I loved her music and everything she's ever done and sounded like an absolute knob. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's not the most... Uh sort of fanboyish thing that's ever happened to you though do you remember when we were at uh, we played at Iceland Airways <laughs> oh super privileged to, to, to play there about whenever it was 10 years ago or something and Kieran's and, ba- and the singer of My Vitriol was sat next to us in a, in a restaurant My Vitriol a band from the UK who Kieran's a big fan of and his ringtone at the time was a My Vitriol song <laughs> <laughs> His phone rang while he was sat there. Do you remember when? Oh, the joy! Because I think he thought you were taking the piss. I think yeah, he, yeah, he just got yeah, your phone out to play. He a was song. very salty. He looked over. He looked he over his shoulder. Dog. He did. I, he did not think it was your ringtone. He just thought you were being a knob. My memory <laughs> of that, Joe, was that you phoned him. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, that sounds like it's true. Steve, I honestly wouldn't. I would not put that past me. <laughs> if, if none of us phoned him after knowing that we're idiots, basically, why we weren't we just constantly phoning? Yeah, I think that was uh, the last time that I had a customised ringtone on my phone as well. Oh well, oh, yeah, that does burned. date it, doesn't it? But yeah, so even though Jack had tried, I'm still I'm very much without Jessica Moss facts. Well, it seems like Jack us. knows a lot about her. I've I've said everything. This on robot, the, I the, have to say, over the last now? few weeks, this robot has been well passive aggressive. Malfunctioning. <laughs> so I'm I'm pleased it's going at Jack now and not me. But <laughs> well, you haven't heard the facts yet, Steve. So we'll wait. <laughs> it was like a friendly like robot from like a kids show, and it's become this sort of Black Mirror like haunting. <laughs> 
I don't know. <laughs> Jessica Moss facts. Yes, good. Jessica Moss is a minimalist slash post-classical composer and violinist based in Montreal, Canada. Jessica is commonly known as being a member of the Silver Mount Zion and founding member of Black Ox Orchestra. She has also featured on other artists' records such as Arcade Fire and Big Brave. That Arcade Fire. Her new album Phosphines will be the third studio album from Jessica and is being released on the 19th of November and she will also be touring across Europe for the rest of November. Ooh. Thank you very much, Robert. Delicious. Um, so, yes, that's that was announced today, day of release. That's So if you're wondering why the podcast wasn't ready for you this morning, listeners, it's because we had to hold back and wait for Jessica to announce that her album is coming out next month and we're all very excited for that. Absolutely. Yeah, we were quite lucky and we were sent the album early. That's, a, that's what you get for being friends with the inside. With the media elite. Exactly. Well, I tell you what, speaking of the media elite, I have not got an advanced copy of Janice Hallett's book yet. <laughs> Still going on about the book. <laughs> but, but honestly, genuinely, <laughs> my friend, uh, Lauren from Lauren on the Books, who t- introduced me to that novel, she's she's now got on the case on my behalf. So I'm not... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's did the way put... to do it. Just break her down. Yeah, just force her. Did just you make aggravate her. Did you Did you complain to her, Joe? I've not no, I've not complained. I haven't even I haven't even approached anyone for it. I've basically just chucked it out into the ether, and it seems to be working. Cause one, of my, one of my friends who's in the book reviewing world is now working on it for me. Well, it's books, books this... and albums flying all over the place. I mean, that, that's r- the secret, real reason for this entire podcast is so we can yeah. break through into the liberal media elite. Exactly. We're basically just a bunch of greedy guzzlers. We want some lo- lovely free stuff. Um, speaking of latest albums, mm. Jack's been listening to hot off the press <laughs> Nine Inch Nails material, hasn't he? Oh, yes. What was the most recent thing you heard on that list? Well, it was more um, recent than the Beatles, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I think there was some stuff from the uh, mid-2000s. I didn't actually check a lot of the dates of the tracks and albums, but I enjoyed it a lot, and we're going to talk about that. Yeah, later we'll get on. That later. So, oh, and speaking, speaking in. of the Beatles, the trailer for that, the Forget Back, came out, and that's mm-hmm. the most I've ever watched a trailer in my entire life. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord, I'm excited for that. I haven't seen it yet. But anyway, it's a juicy. Jack, you honestly need to just sort your stupid shit life out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, anyway. anyway. I didn't. I didn't listen to that Nine Inch Nails um, playlist, as you can tell. But I'm. I'm eager to hear the results of the second round of this game. As am I, because Kieran made Jack a mixtape because he was wrong, and so we'll cover that. We get in. The show. I like that we're starting to use the title now. That's good. <laughs> but anyway, Jessica, Jessica's new one is amazing, and I'm, I, I am half saying that just to show off to the listeners that, that I've heard the thing. Yeah, in our chat with her, we covered so much. It was a really great, fun, interesting chat. We talked about the stresses and loves involved in touring live music, uh, the early stages of Constellation Records, and a half-exciting, half-heartbreaking Mount Zion update. Also, speaking of ringtones, you'll find out which (laughs) Nintendo-related ringtone Jessica has. So, enjoy. Anyway, how are you, Jessica? You good? 
Um, I am. So I'm like all the things all the time. Um, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah, I'm fucking terrible. And I'm also like amazingly alive and grateful for it. And uh, I'm super stressed out and I'm like super, I can't believe I have shit going on that just, it all seems so impossible and lucky. So, you know, I literally am yeah. all the things all the time. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that what it, what comes with being an artist though? Oh God, so. I don't know. I don't know. I, it's like, if, if I didn't have like zero other choice, then I might pick something else, but I, I wouldn't know what it, I wouldn't know what it would be like to not be so, so bananas in the head all the time. That's, that's the talk of someone that's got big stuff in, in the offing, like right now with that's big forms of stress with touring coming up and everything. That's when people yeah. start to talk about. Oh, I, I should have been an accountant. I should have been. <laughs> yeah, I've never ever said I want to be an accountant. No, I, I, I mean, I, I don't even know. Like, I would never be able to. Not in a million years. So, what is stressing you out right now? Mm. <laughs> well, um, uh, boy, oh boy, that's a very, it's a good question. Let's um, just get it all out there. Okay? <clears throat> <laughs> we're your, we're, we're your new therapists. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like how much how much actually do you charge like one fee for the four or is it like one each hour i am i paying for three hours or one <laughs> um oh my god what's stressing you out i feel like i want to hear other people's shit my i am okay well i'll tell you something that's stressing me out is that i as a solo person everything i do all the fucking time <clears throat> is uh has to like generate from me and yeah. So when I'm having like, I've had a pretty rough few months actually. And, and I, it's when I have a rough time when I really realize like I am doing all of this, you know? And if I want to be like, can someone else just like figure out what I should blah, blah, blah. There's not, there's no such thing. <laughs> um, and my, in my life as a parent, that's also often the case as I am very often doing it alone and, um, even though I'm a person who loves a lot, like being alone, um, working, like just generating and generating and generating care and music and plans and oh, sorry, my sister's calling me. Mario just turned up. Yeah. <laughs> my, that's my, the, ring, the ringtone for my sister. <laughs> but do you feel, do you feel like you have a pressure to be creative all the time then, as well as the, parenting well, 24 the, hours a day? And- yeah. Um, I don't parent 24 hours a day because I, I have a, I'm in a co co-parenting relationship with Ephraim, who is, yeah. we were together for 12 years and now we are, we live separately, although we live with two blocks away from each other. So when we're both in town, which used to never be true, because it was like, our calendars were like Ephraim on tour, just on tour, Ephraim on tour, just on tour. <laughs> um, but like I don't know if you've noticed but yeah so there's been no touring actually I have I'm supposed to go on tour in November it will have been two years and uh, there's like number one thing stressing me out is that that's exactly one and a half years longer than I've ever not gone on tour before in my life of an adult like since I was 18 basically so I feel like I don't know what the hell is it going to be like (laughs) I mean have you played any shows any shows in the past 18 months? I, like, what, exactly one year ago, Pop Montreal, which is, like, a big Montreal festival, 
they had a sort of pandemic version. We just, there was a lot of like outdoor backyard shows and shit. And we hosted and Nadia and I, my sister and I hosted a backyard show and I played a little bit and that had, and it had already been however long. That was amazing. And then exactly one year later, I played another outdoor show and that's it. That's it. And I haven't, I have, I'm releasing this record and I haven't, uh, I don't know how I'm going to play it exactly. Like, I, So this, this upcoming tour is like, it, it, was it initially intended for the, for um, the last album? It was an initially intended. Yeah, actually. Yes. It was initially intended as like the last tour for the last album when I had, uh, had been having some beautiful tours and I had gotten to a place where I play like, I play the violin, but I also have like a stupid amount of pedals in front of me and they all talk to each other. And I feel like the instrument is the two of those things together. And so like when I started performing solo after a million years on tour with a band, uh, like the most, one of the most terrifying things beyond just getting up there by myself is all of these things in front of me. Like there's so many uh, bad things. There's so many mistakes that can happen. And when the mistake, I don't know if, any or all of you guys are pedal guys, but yeah, like, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, especially because I I use looper pedals, but I I'm really I really don't like like ninety percent of looping music. Like I really don't like when the loops are like you play one and then there's another and then like when you can sort of witness this sort of like effort of perfection building. So I usually use loops instead in the opposite way of how there's like I like to just send them off sort of into random land and how they meet each other influences how things go a lot of the time. But anyway, and I have, I use two pedals that are like notoriously finicky and anyway, all the mistakes that can happen on stage had happened to me. And by the time I finished, like by the time I wrapped up the, what was going to end up being my last tour for two years, which obviously I didn't know at the time, I felt like, okay, like I've mastered each bizarre uncomfortable experience that can happen on stage and I'm I'm a, like I'm I'm a grown-up now you know like I could just get on there but now I feel like a yeah. brand new baby again because making the music I make is very I don't even know what word was I going to put there there's a lot going on like I put it's like a crazy collage effort and yeah that's it's how like I love intense, it an intense craft and it relies on the on the gear to to be yeah i'm trying to i'm trying to say that the stress comes from like that's the place where i was comfortable i had like i had picked apart the record and i had like made a version of one of the tunes that i was loving to play live and i just i felt like at home by then but to make to make the new record like i can't like 75 percent of what i record i can't actually play live because I, I don't, like I said, like, I don't want to spend time looping too much in front of people. If I can avoid it, I don't want to play to background track. So there isn't that actually much that I can do by myself. So I have to pick really, I have to sort of re rework things to make a set that makes sense. And I, yeah, so I I feel like a brand new baby a little bit. And um, um, yeah, with your new single, having a, it's got, it sounds, it's got a full band on it. Are you still going on tour solo then? That single is, so I have a record coming out in November and then I have another record coming out in like not too long from now, Constellation. We still have to work it out. But basically 
I went so crazy in the year of lockdown and curfew in Montreal that I I made so much music and uh, again like <laughs> the thing the thing about me being by myself is that there's nobody to be like just just whoa 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 yeah, just calm down just calm down. Down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, like so every minute that I wasn't taking care of a kid or everyone else that needed taking care of in my life I was like in pro tools like like losing it because I have never recorded like I've only ever recorded because it's time to make a new record. That's when I make new music because I don't let myself make new music most of the time because as, as I witnessed with this year off, like it just never stops. And I can't, I can't, I can't like, I have to get something perfect before I can put it to bed or I can be like, actually, I don't want this one. Like I can't just get halfway there and be like, mm, this is sucks. I have to get all, like I have to spend a hundred hours you know, getting it to a place where I can be like, oh, actually, okay, move along. But now, uh, anyway, now your kids, but now your kids older, it must be easier to be creative and write music, or is it still a struggle? Uh, well, it's not. I wouldn't. I don't know, but struggle is seems like a heavy word for yeah, something yeah, that that, is, that I chose. Heavy... <laughs> I mean, there's a. You can't I, admit that. You can't admit that. <laughs> do, you, do any of you do, do any of you have kids actually? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I've got a five-year-old, so I'm right oh. in that tricky patch where. Uh, so it's alone, very so. stressful being in a band <laughs> with someone with a kid. Is it? Yeah. I'm so sorry. Is it very stressful yeah, being in a yeah. band with someone with yeah, a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you chose to no have one ever your children. thinks about the bandmates. There's no advice books for us. <laughs> no, that's really there's no, hard. I'm there's so no sorry. meetings, no groups. Oh. There, pro- there probably is. It's yeah, probably, bet, like, I bet so there, annoying. I bet there's a group. Yeah. <laughs> There totally is. It's, it has something to do with men's rights somehow. Also, like... <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. don't talk about that enough, do they? Eh? No. But so is that why you you went in the new direction with the so so this is um is the is there room for all of it? Oh yeah, sorry, right. What you were actually asking me? Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So I I recorded an immense amount of shit and. Uh, Normally, if I am making new music, if I'm letting myself go into a jam space to do the improvisation process that ends up as a record, I have in my head, there's restrictions on it. There's two sides of an LP and like, that's a helpful box, you know? Yeah. Uh, but here I was just like, I don't even know what, like, not, uh, there's nothing, no, who knows, you know, who knows if ever anything again. So I just went and I didn't have that 40 minutes, stop, stop. <laughs> so I ended up with like more than two records worth of shit that I couldn't that I couldn't say goodbye to like there was even much more that I I eventually anyway let go of so within that process um I my intention before pre-pandemic for the next record was to actually try and record with an ensemble and I wrote a whole big grant application in Canada we do have like some pretty if you're lucky enough to be able to access it, some pretty good arts funding. And it was my first time getting like a pretty, like a, a grant, like an actual grant to work on shit. And I had, the, the, it was amazing. The proposal though, that I had was to work with other musicians. Like I, I have never played Jessica Moss music with anyone else. And if I wasn't going to do it, I definitely would want to be able to 
pay someone like just to it seems so bizarre to be in a role of like you do this and you do that like it's so antithetical to myself that at least if I was like can I pay you please to be in this room so you can help me figure out how to do that (laughs) then you know yeah so and also I had this I had all this idea of like working on some vocal stuff like choral stuff I had this idea that I for the next time I would go on tour that I would be bringing with me like um some music that was beautiful and simple enough that I would be able to teach it to people, either in audience or like in sound check, anyone working at the club. Like I just had this idea of sort of making an element of it, the opposite of complicated and the opposite of like all those million pedals and just something really pretty that anyone could be part of. And yeah, I got the grant. And then like two months later, their like singing and playing with people was no longer on the table. So I had to, rework it all and I did end up um getting Terry who or Thierry is the real way of spelling it he's the the bass player of Mount Zion and Godspeed and one of my oldest collaborator love hate friend person um and (laughs) man I could speak to you for five and a half hours about when you like you guys have known each other for 30 years we've known each other for uh, not that long, but so long through so much. And anyway, um, I did get him to come and work with me. And so there's actually some double bass. He is the first person that's ever played an instrument on the on a me record that isn't me. Anyway, wow. Wow. yeah, I know it's so crazy that. How did it, it feel like long. delegating? How did it feel like delegating some of the creative sort of part of it to someone else? Or did you write the bass? If only, if only I could delegate. Um, there was, there were elements that he did come up with, but I'm, I actually am like an extremely detailed, like everything that happens, you know, like he would record maybe four versions of things. And then I would go in and be like, I like this and that, and then blah, blah, blah. So with his permission, anyway, so some of the, (laughs) some of those tracks, um, were, I felt like confident enough in having Terry on there. And uh, so I, contacted Jim White, who is like a very old friend at this point. We've known each other for very long, but still I, I'm in awe of that guy because, you know, it's fucking Jim White. It's Jim White. <laughs> and and uh, a Dirty Three record was one of like the first things that I ever heard that made me think I could maybe do something more than I knew about. So anyway, so, but he was in Melbourne, stuck in Melbourne, and he recorded some parts. And I, again, he recorded like three versions and I assembled everything. Um, there aren't that many tunes like that. Um, uh, that actually, the one that I put out is going to be on the second record. It's not going to be on the one coming out in November. The one coming in November has more sort of recognizably, I guess, things that I would normally have done. And then some also more wild shit. But uh that's not very representative of what's about to happen. And so the <laughs> very okay. super short answer to your question is, yes, I am going on tour by myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's in- interesting what you're saying about being able to delegate when it's now your and yours alone project, because you've you've um, made music in, in different roles, right? You've made in bands where you're collaborating, and then you've also just contributed to other existing works and yeah definitely yeah and now you're a solo artist and the people that you're then sort of directing i don't want to say controlling 
uh, but they're they're the people that you've looked up to before and worked with we in don't. those like, different roles you know yes yeah exactly yes I definitely couldn't imagine bringing somebody in that I didn't ha already have a language with and who didn't already know how just crazy I can be about what I'm doing so I don't know if I could just hire somebody who played an instrument that I needed and like have that work out. I, yeah. I can't, maybe one day, actually what's so cool right now is uh, I got another grant. This is like a year and a half later to um, do this, do something that I am have. It's like a dream of mine for years now. And that is that I, I got some money to, hire somebody who could transcribe some of the music into actual notes because yeah. it doesn't oh, okay. it doesn't exist like that it only exists in my <laughs> yeah. head ever that's exactly like the same I am, with us we have no idea we no can't do idea shit like that no idea can't no. <laughs> i can't do it either and it's it surprises people sometimes because of the instrument i play and maybe the music oh, yeah, but course. i actually yeah. never i never know what note i'm playing or like if you tell me what key something is and I'll be like mm -hmm. <laughs> wait till well, I hear that for you um, right can every if everyone takes note that's made me feel so much better about being a musician I haven't really? got a fucking None clue I haven't got a they always say to me oh, what what note are you playing and I was pointing at the fret on the guitar yeah, I haven't exactly. got a clue <laughs> I haven't got a clue either I don't know if it makes you feel better or worse but I definitely no, it, it was it definitely no no but I like <laughs> I started playing violin when I was five years old. Like I was a kid, my mom, you know, introduced me, like she told me I had to play violin. So the first many right. uh, years of me playing was under her whip basically. And uh, I, I was supposed to learn theory and I was supposed to, I, I learned how to read music like as a kid and I can still kind of do it. If I know what it sounds like, if I can hear the thing one time, then I can follow it along and, you know, but uh what wasn't known about me at the time was like I have a major ADHD learning deficit and I cannot, I could not learn theory. Like it was in front of me. And I'd be like, I just fucking can't do this. And so my professional classical violin life ended early. And then um, I just couldn't say goodbye to the instrument. So I just kind of made up my own way of doing it. And that history of learning is so far in the past at this point that I really genuinely don't know ever anything it's, about it's what just I'm fully doing. instinctive at this at this stage now one only yeah yeah and mem and it's all memorizing at what point from your mom forcing you to pull, feel like forcing you to play an instrument did yeah. you suddenly feel a connection to it and oh i actually do love this i'm not being forced to play it there's an answer actually it's not it wasn't gradual well it was kind of gradual we fought like like we used to just be screaming at each other i hated practicing like with every fiber of my being but I somehow was attached to this idea that I could play this thing because there was a lot of stuff I couldn't do well, but I could do this thing. And it seemed like it, it got me through uh, school in a way like I had like a, I had a, a purpose, you know. Um, and I started playing in the youth orchestra when I was like in my early like 12 or 13 or something like that. And I actually loved the music so much that by the time 
that happened, my mom had basically just been like, like fuck you. <laughs> then just quit. Just quit. Thanks, you mom. know, like if, it, if it's going to be this hard, just quit. And that's when I, I was given, finally, I was given the option to quit. And I said, I didn't want to quit. I just needed to not like do it the normal conventional way anymore. And I did play with that orchestra into my teens, like, again, just sort of like looking at around, like, what's everyone playing? Okay. And then, you know, and I loved it. I loved it. So what did your mom, what did your mom see as traditional music, for example? Oh, classical. Because when I saw you live, uh, you opened your set with a, I think the Jewish piece of, yeah, Jewish yeah, 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 yeah. piece of music. And that was, yeah. honestly, it was so captivating that piece. Of, I wish you'd recorded it. I Have you recorded it? <laughs> Okay, two questions uh, you asked me. One yes. of them was, "Oh, what's my? Oh, we listen. We it was like purely classical music in my house. We listened to classical music, and I loved classical music. And it took me like three years into because I only started playing solo music after Mount Zion had stopped, and I never ever thought I would be doing it. And um, it came about kind of in a backwards way, actually, which I can say later. But like. Uh, I, I realized much later that my, my actual like soul influences still is that music that I loved when I was a kid. And in my mind, when I'm making the music I make, I feel like I'm making, I'm pretending I'm making classical music or I have like the, I have the, I don't know if structure is the right word, but I like the way that a piece would flow. Yeah. yeah. Something like that, that, that I couldn't really relate anything I was doing to other music that I knew about until I realized that oh that's because I like in my head I'm playing a version of this music I loved as a kid like it used to transport me I loved it so 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 much some pieces of classical music anyway um so that's what she would consider traditional but we are a Jewish family and we did have Jewish music in my life growing up we we did meet for um like all holidays and there's lots of singing and music that comes along with being Jewish but one of the first one of my first bands, my first serious band is called Black Ox Orchestra. And it, it we only played Jewish music. And actually it's on Constellation. And I think those two records of all the millions of records I've been a part of are maybe the ones that I can, I can still listen to. Like, I think they're really good. And I think you should check it out. <laughs> Absolutely. Anyway, yeah. so, so Jewish music is just, it's like my own, it's the music that I find them easiest to I find my way into it so easily I felt like I belong there somehow and I love to play it and I love to be part of it and there was an element of choice that I chose to play Jewish music at the beginning of every show on that on those tours because I was feeling like well it was Trump times but I was feeling like it was a moment that there was that it's a bit of a challenge to do that. And I wanted to challenge people. And I had been getting some weird um, conversations, especially in Germany about uh, BDS. You guys know what BDS is? Boycott, divest, sanctions, like just anti-Zionist as I am a fervently anti-Zionist Jew. Um, But it, there was just like, there's just some weird ideas out there. And I kind of wanted to challenge by being like, not only is this the music I find the most beautiful and you're here to see me. And here I am a Jewish person on stage in front of you. And in some places in Europe, maybe this is the first time you've been in watching that. You know what I mean? And does yeah. that, and I, I, I just wanted to be 
outright open about it. Um, not in an angry way, just like, this is something I can do. This is a conversation I can have and I'm open to having it. That's a really cool way of starting that kind of conversation as opposed to just mm-hmm. coming in purely like intellectually mm-hmm. making a point, just, just doing it, mixing, mixing it culturally. Yeah, and you've not fucking yeah. said anything. You've not had to say anything. No, That's... exactly. It's no, exactly right. And I, I have this idea, you know, that maybe like playing live is what it is only what it's about actually and it's the only reason I do it and it's the only thing that I and the fact that it keeps going and the fact that I keep getting asked to come play is is the reason that I am continuing to do this but like impossible life because um and and if it stops like if if for some reason I stopped getting I stopped getting the tours or I stopped getting asked then I will stop I think because I it's just that communion that it's only about that in a way I didn't even want to make the first record I just wanted to play on tour I just wanted to go on tour and everyone told me that you were you cannot tour if you don't have a record it's just not how it works like you can't but it is weird isn't it because we can't go on tour our label says we can't go on tour unless you make a record no one will come and yeah. see you unless you make but that is a weird yeah. rule it's so it's like it's so i mean it's the the so so many steps get to like take us to that moment where somebody said uh, the label says you can't tour unless you have a record all the steps that lead up to that of the music industry like they're so much broken about it but you know it's not like that could just change it's all built on that it's built on like like attention and how to get it and such a weird game but uh strange like i always think of if i'm writing anything new i'm automatically in the okay what is this for what which which release would this be for yeah you know is this for the next project or or another yeah you idea? have to yeah i think but i want i've never really thought about it before that that's a a byproduct of the oh the absolutely industry set up. i've always just thought you know that's how i think yeah it seems no. like you're you're different you you just have to well, write I... and it comes out and then you have to group it together somehow actually i don't i don't even i I won't even let myself write unless i know what i'm where i'm putting it because i because i i think in the same way you know i mean i except the pandemic year i just didn't have any boundaries but i i don't know like if i thought well then i'll i'll have to go find a label or i'll have to i don't know the fact that i had that set up and that there was no live playing and by by now on the third record i'm no fool like i know there has to be a record if i want (laughs) to continue to do this thing that i love yeah um so and being a perfectionist and just making that record as perfect as i can imagine that it could possibly ever be with all my extreme limitations then uh yeah so you're a perfectionist like the whole way through the process like writing mixing mastering you know, even artwork and things like that. Do you have a hand in that kind of stuff? I, I do it all. I literally do it all, even the video. Like, but perfectionist is maybe not the right term because I am like so kind of chaotic also and sloppy and out of control and wild. It's like I, I, I refuse to like set up a Pro Tools session in the proper way, for example. Like I start my, <laughs> the person that I mix with, Red One, who does his, Jerusalem in my heart is his project which do you know what I'm talking about Jerusalem in my heart 
Um, I'm I'm not aware of them. Write it okay. down. It's like it's some okay. of the best. Yeah, we'll some do. of the best shit. But anyway, he is one. Of, he is like I think my best friend and also the engineer I work with with all these records because he's the only one that can take like these messy scraps of insanity that I've made. <laughs> so I'm a perfectionist, and yet I refuse to learn how to use Pro Tools exactly properly. <laughs> I am a perfectionist, but when I go start to record, like the track is called Audio One. It's not called like yeah, violin no, no, for yeah. this. Song. You know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So <laughs> there's a lot of. <laughs> You're not the only musician that does that. Oh my yeah. god! <laughs> so it's hard to identify as a perfectionist when everything feels so fucking imperfect all the time. But when it comes to how it sounds, I can't. I, I am. I just am. Like I had to send the master back three times because it was not perfect and it really makes a huge difference to the experience of from beginning to end to me i don't know if it would to anybody else but to be transported the way that i built it to be transporting it has to get some, it has to do a certain thing it has to like it, it has to make me travel in my head or hallucinate or something i don't know like there's a thing that has to happen and if it doesn't if it's not perfect then it doesn't happen and then i think that there's just dead music and it doesn't it's not good enough somehow but i feel like that could go either way because it could either mean that everything you release you think is is the absolute like pinnacle of that's as best as it could have possibly been or you're just never happy right? <laughs> so what is so what is your like outlook so when, because you're a perfectionist right everything's got to be perfect but how do you feel about your last record now is it, do, is you it, want to know something? No, yeah. no, no. That's a good question. I, the perfectionism ends the moment I sign off on the master, and then actually I never listen to it again. Like then really? I feel like then it's then I just send it. It's the best letter I could possibly have written to anyone who's going to hear this record. It says it. It says the thing that I want to say in the most clear way that I could do. I edited it a bazillion times. Like if it's a love letter, you know, like you spend a year writing this letter that says everything that you want to say to the person, and then you send it, and then it's like, then they close something. So I don't know. Uh, definitely, if I have to listen to those records, I'm like, oh, I should have done that <laughs> shouldn't have, should have not repeated that part so many times or whatever sometimes but i i rarely listen because i don't want to have that feeling i want to just plus you think. have to hear it on tour every night when you're playing it live but that's so different like yeah, the versions course, that i yeah. bring live the bring the versions i bring live with me are really open they are built so that they can be different every night so that they can so that i can choose to follow one thing or another thing or like if I was playing the same show every night, I don't think I would, I would be very unhappy. I would be very, even though it starts like, you know, I say this, I, I say the things that I'm going to play and those are the things that I play every night, but no night is, diff is the same as any other night um, because even, I build it that even way. Even that aside, even the, the idea of obviously the live iteration of it is different to the recording just with focusing on the recording, your relationship with it is so different before it's finished and after it's finished. It seems kind of perverse to pour over the details once it's already done. Oh, definitely. That. Yeah. yeah. That's for the yeah, listener to, to do. That's for the, the receiver yeah. of it, right? Yeah. But like the Constellation family just seem to be just, you. everyone just works together and you you all work so well and is that a curation between the artists or has the label got like a big hand in that or? 
Um, no, the label is definitely not a big hand in it, only in that that sort of community that would have naturally formed around the two people making the label. And um, I mean, they're, they're, they just reissued their very first record ever, actually, so far. Um, but then their second record was Godspeed. And so, and Godspeed was like nine, nine musicians very active in the, in the city who already, there was already this sort of like web. And um, I guess it was just really fertile and things seemed really possible at the time. And rent was so cheap and jam spaces were like so cheap and free. And because rent was so cheap, it was this moment in time where a lot of people I knew didn't have jobs, regular jobs, you know, like we were bartenders or we were, you know, we'd, we'd sort of worked outside of conventional hours and all, there was a lot of fertile jamming and hanging and like drinking at the bar together and stuff. And I guess that there's obviously a few, like, because that, what I just said, of course there's, that happens in every city all the time. And there was something about that particular group of people and then those particular guys who started the label and the, the neighborhood and the what, seeming of possibility and everything that, and also a central recording studio would just be like, Hey, I'm recording. You want to come in and play kind of thing. But we were, and, but everyone was already very close friends. So it didn't feel yeah. like anything formal was ever going on, you know, like for example, Frankie Sparrow was my sister's boyfriend for 10 years. So and Eric and Eric Cheneau is like an, my uh, old, 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 old friend of mine. He lives in Paris now, but um, like I knew him in, before I moved to Montreal when I was 18 and I knew him like as a musician. And yeah, so friendships are at the, the base of it, I think, of the ease of friendships. And then obviously like a few unique seeds that yeah. somehow planted at that moment in time, at that sit in this city at that moment with that sort of what Godspeed had opened up in terms of what could be possible and which constellation sort of um, keep using garden metaphor. Anyway, whatever, you know what I mean? Water, water can, whatever, you know what I mean? If you could go back in time to either that point or when you first started playing all together, mm -hmm. give yourself one piece of advice regarding your music. What would you say? I think I think of a way to answer it, which doesn't get too, too personal about other people. I mean, oh, I think right. I would have. <laughs> Fuck that guy. So <laughs> you were thinking. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was trying to think that, that maybe it would have been less about musical advice and more about personal advice of just that I don't oh, I have see. to stay, I don't have to stay in a situation that's really hard because nothing will ever happen for me ever again. Cause I hate myself. You know what I mean? Like I could have been like, Oh, yeah. I have this thing. And if it doesn't work out here, I can make it something else. But you know, I wasn't, right. I was like already like I played my very first solo show seven years ago very first ever ever and then like I guess that's quite a long time ago now but given how many years I had put into band and collaborative stuff leading up to that um, it just seemed like impossible that I could ever do that but here I am still doing it and if I had known that was possible maybe I would have thought of different ways 
uh, or approaches. Or I don't know. I think, yeah, it's more personal. Musically, I, I don't know. I don't think I'm capable of anything else than what I do. I, I couldn't if I tried. So I guess I just did the, whatever I could do. <laughs> so in that sense, if um, say if Ezra wanted to be a mu- become a musician, that's all he wanted to do with his life. Would you support that? Or would you say, no, 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 no. Go and be an accountant. <laughs> Go and do that. Uh, oh, hell no. No, I'd be, I'd be like, oh my God. If I had a kid who wanted to be an accountant, I would be like, ah. um, Someone to do your taxes all, actually, for you. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> no, Ezra, Ezra is Ezra's trans, by the way, and has changed pronouns. Is she now? Okay. And uh, she, if she said, I want to be a musician, then I would, we have actually recently talked about um, like making a creative world be your life as opposed to just being a release part of your life, but instead like actually making it your whole life. Oh, that's awesome. That is so awesome. <laughs> and, uh, and how, how complicated it is to, and I think, well, I was giving her advice that I wish that I would have liked to be given, which is she was sort of bummed out because she tries really hard at drawing, but she like, she just, isn't that um, conventionally good at it, you know, like she can't copy things perfectly. Her ideas are amazing, but it doesn't ever look like what other kids would be like, Oh, so-and-so is a good drawer, you know, like it takes, she should should see my drawer and it's fucking terrible. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, you might like someone might also consider her drawing fucking terrible, but she loves to do it and is sad that other people don't think that she's good at it. So we were talking, I was talking about how like the impulse to make something, the minute the impulse to make something is to make it so, so that somebody else will give you their approval, um, then it becomes like, it's just, it's, it's not that it's the wrong reason to do it. It's just, I wanted her to know that I understand that she's bummed out that other people don't recognize how amazing an artist she is, but also the moment of recognition or the moment of adulation, the moment that somebody gives like validates what you're doing only lasts as long as the moment lasts. And it's not like you walk away and you're like, well, great. I got my validation, but (laughs) never going to hate myself again. You know what I mean? Like it's so it, you think that having people love what you do will feel so great, but it's such a small part of it, you know, like it's such a small it can't be the driving force is what I'm trying to say. It's tough um, for kids to get their head around that because it's tough for adults to get their head around that whole exactly. thinking process. Like, I, no, I worked, exactly. I worked with kids in the past in, in a classroom yeah. Yeah. and because the structure of school is just so much geared towards that validation exactly. because of, mm-hmm. you know, we've all got to hit these targets. We've got to get to this exactly. level. Otherwise it's a worry. Yeah. And that's not very sort of conducive to that to the oh my sort God. of creativity that you're talking about. It's really not. And it really only serves people like kids who sort of have a conventional makeup of their brain and body anyway. And yeah. so it like automatically, at least 10% of the kids sitting in that class are like, why is this so hard for me? And it seems to be so easy for everybody else. And then to think that you have to work like five times as hard to, to get that validation from the adults or from what's yeah school is fucked in that way I think it's really hard to watch kids struggle when they're obviously so brilliant in other ways and totally. 
it wouldn't be hard. But in in that regard, then do do you feel that you, as an, a parent who is an artist as well, that's kind of helped you to be a parent, keep her perspective? Well, yeah, to be a better yeah parent with a more rounded perspective. I mean, I definitely, in some ways, absolutely. Like the the deep and heavy conversations the two of us have are. I'm just so amazed that her brain allows for this kind of philosophical thinking, but like, I could also imagine that she'd probably be, have a lot easier days if I also wasn't like, Oh my fucking God, where's the knapsack in the hole? Like I'm like, I'm I'm just, I'm no good. I'm no good at that stuff. I really, I try, but I'm just no good at it. Like, ah, damn it. I forgot to go grocery shopping again. You know, like, (laughs) does Ezra ever try to get involved with you during the writing process or anything? Does she give you feedback on on your work? And stuff like she that? is. Try and collaborate and with she's, you. She's, she's like, she is. She actually has like a spectacularly creative mind, and it's different from mine, which I I love. Um, for example, she wasn't that. She wouldn't like listen to the music a lot. She didn't even really want to, but she would hear it sometimes playing. And then, for example, I was going through cover photo art, like photos that I had taken that I w- were going to maybe be the cover. And then I showed them to her and she really was like, I really love this one, but what did you say the name of the record is? Phosphines. And we talked about the concept of light. She's like, I don't think this one really says that about that. You know, like she'll be very like sort of deeply involved in the, the output around it and how it's I also ask her like what I should wear on stage and I will like, I'll show her one thing and she'll be like, that looks really good, but I don't think it really suits what you're playing. Like that's, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, so she's involved, but in ways that are not sort of obvious. But then you, you kind of think in those ways as well, that you're, you're one of those artists, I think that puts a lot of consideration into the presentation of, of your work, right? Like you're super involved with, like the the, the title well yeah the the the, the video for the, the yeah. you made right for the for the new yeah. one and and just yeah the song titles and meaning behind things and the artwork it that's something that's important to you i take it i mean it's i i don't even know that it just isn't without it there isn't there isn't a version of what i would ever do that wouldn't be that i don't know how to i was uh I, when I went to get a coffee, because I, I was late because I, I my, whatever, it doesn't matter. I hadn't gotten your thinking about this interview until like a few minutes before. And I really wanted to just have a moment and ground myself to be ready to talk. And one of the conversations I had in my head um, about it was that I sort of envy people who can take on a persona in a way that are able to sort of separate their this is the art this is the work that I do I am this person when I do the work and then there's the rest of me which is not working and I don't there's no or like I somebody who's able to say I want this song to sound like this or I love this song of this band like let's do a song like that or this is who's influencing me and therefore I'm going to go about things in a certain way and I don't have any of that I don't know how to do that I don't like I don't I just don't, I don't understand that really. Like it's all so there. It just is me. I don't, I wouldn't know how else to go about it, you know? So I don't, 
And that's not a choice. That is just the person you're talking to, maybe is what I'm trying to say. Like I have no way of explaining it other than it just has to be so honest because if there is any feeling of artifice, then I don't feel good about it. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. And it's kind of, it's, I'm seeing, I suppose I was sort of looking at it as like heavy consideration of the artifice of it. Whereas really in truth, it's a, it's a removal of the artifice. It's just straight from in to out. Yeah. I think it feels that way. I mean, it, but you know, at the same time, like I, it's not like I, play the thing and I'm like it's perfect because it came directly from me I play the thing and then I'll spend like 45 hours like taking the thing and turning it into another thing that I love and so it's not it's not like there's so much I don't know but if the word is unnatural about the process but I really like I use pro tools like a whole other instruments like I it's I take it and I fuck with it and I fuck with it and I fuck with it until I start hearing what I what I mean you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's there's a lot of of secondary touching of whatever it is, but but it not, but it isn't artifice really because I'm not trying to make it something that I already know about. I'm trying to wait until it resonates inside, and when it resonates inside, then I'm like, okay, how is the best way to keep that thing and make it say what I want it to say? That makes so sense. before you fuck it up in yeah. Pro Tools, what is the writing process? <laughs> you write you just play a few lines of violin and then go oh i'll see what this sounds like in this place and i'll see what this sounds like in this place i mean in a way except that what except it's not i'll play a few lines it'll play like i'll play a few days it's more like the thing like i i improvise with a sort of if i'm if i'm contemplating something in the world or if i have something big inside i'll just start playing and and playing and playing and maybe like there are melodies that I have in my head that just have been there or and are always is there ever a chance of another Mount Zion record ever please you want to know something uh <laughs> I had actually no 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 no. I'm not gonna <laughs> okay. break your heart I mean I, I'll temporarily break your heart no okay, I will on. temporarily break your heart to say that I actually had I had been initiating a reunion moment where we could we we had a, we unlike unlike the way I'm praising your dynamic, we had a very very difficult dynamic as a band, very difficult, and right. a lot of it had to do with the fact that Ephraim and I were at the center of it as a couple, and then there was the parenting element, and then there was on top of that, um, three out of the five of us had this whole life in Godspeed, which has its own like really kind of intense dynamic, and there was never it wasn't light and easy. It was really intense and it was like intensely incredible and intensely difficult, but it was never just chill. <laughs> like the nice. least chill, least chill band dynamic ever. Um, and wait, what was the question? Is it going to be before I started telling record? Oh yeah. Yeah. So when we, when we parted, it was actually quite, um, we parted for some reasons, which I won't get into, which, and it was like heartbreaking actually. And uh, my friend and I had to go our separate, like a lot of things had to happen and they did and it was good like that is what needed to happen and actually a year and a half before the pandemic I had started initiating conversations between us all thinking like could we imagine our way back into this room you know like I especially during Trump times and all the political energy that was going on then I felt like this band has something to say and I don't see other bands saying things this way. And I had been touring myself 
for quite a few years. So I sort of had so, my own solid grand and like just seeing the possibility that there was a good reason to bring this band back. And I had started working on us all. And actually we had um, scheduled a meeting in the jam space on March 18th, 2019. No yeah. Oh, so like, Whatever the pandemic year, 19. Last yeah. year, yeah, wow. No, 19. The, be- the very beginning of the pandemic was 19, no? No, 20. 20. Uh, Wait. Yeah. I think, well, this year's 21. Kind of kicking off. It was kicking off at the end of 19. 20. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Oh, no, no, no. You're right. You're right. You're right. 20, March 2020. Yeah. So, anyway, one basically one week after lockdown began for us was the day that we were supposed to meet wow. each other to, to start thinking about that again. And Things have changed once again, and Godspeed put a new record. So they have like six months. So the conversation is not on the table at the moment, but it is not at all forever off the table. But it, well, it almost happened. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 good news that it was there was we a plan. Close. It, yeah, it it's, not, can it's not necessarily happen. the end. Yeah. No, no, no. Um, but in weirdly, since at the same time that, that my other old band black ox that i was just talking about is actually going to record a new record in in december everyone's coming to montreal yeah it's fucking exciting it had been 14 years and then we did this somebody interviewed us like and it just inspired this rekindling and and we took it and we went with it and now we've spent like a year on zoom talking about new music and (laughs) we're recording in december which is great is it mm-hmm. like those sorts of decisions for you really heavily influenced by things like politics or just outside the situation yes. around you? Like you wouldn't just do it for the yes. sake of doing it, it sounds like. I don't even, I mean, both of those bands are built with that as their central point. So I, I, I don't have a way to separate that. I don't, I haven't spent a long period of time in any band that was outside of that or was a band just for fun ever. So I wouldn't know how to answer because yeah, those two things are the same thing in a way. Yeah. I mean, I love the, the politics of your work and the way it's presented as well, the way that that's all kind of intertwined. Does that kind of take away from any sense of like autobiography from it for you or? Is it autobiographical because you are interested in those things anyway? For myself, as my, definitely, yes. The second thing, for sure. Like, again, there's no way for me to make it artifice, you know? Like, I wouldn't be able to be this person and then just make some record that's, like, fun, good times, happy, happy. Just, I feel like such a faker, you know? Like, I can barely, when somebody, when I, like, I mean, I, I do love to go play on other people's records, but I should say that, it's very hard for me to do it if it's like just like happy happy fun music i don't even understand really not that it has to be sad but it has to be like so what's the um what's the title of the album it's called phosphines phosphines. uh phosphines which is a word i learned and immediately had to title the record that so you know when you stick your hands on your eyes really hard and then all of a sudden oh. like you start seeing oh, light right. yeah. i used to do that as a so kid those... in the playground i remember doing yes. that yeah yeah nobody was looking at you weird at all i also i still i, I also his used friend. to do that oh <laughs> <laughs> it's 
to with. Um, I also used to do that, but I, I think it's it's not specific to that, but it's basically the uh, the the what's it called the basically yeah, seeing light where there is no light is what it means okay. essentially. Have you ever been heckled? I'd love to know. Have you? Has anyone ever said like a real bad heckle at one of your shows? Um. I mean, Mount Zion's had some pretty yeah, hilarious heckles. Yeah, Mount Zion and but, Godspeed heckled. But. Yeah. But being heckled when you're on stage with a band is, like, fun. You can pretend it's about someone else. <laughs> no, it's just it's just so ridiculous. Like, it's so silly. Man, and yeah, if it's you just stupid. So stupid. It's so stupid, but also... That's not true. There was one... But do you guys find it, it funny? So, basically, so I saw... Um, I saw you guys... I saw Silver Mount Zion play... Uh, the Electric Ballroom in London a long time ago. I remember um, that show. But someone shout out, play Wonderwall. <laughs> and you think like, why did, what have they achieved from that? Like, do you guys find that funny or do you guys get fucked off? I know everyone was like too I mean, pleased, Obviously, like... I think <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, I think that's hilariously, brilliantly funny because I don't know. I, I, I'm sure Ephraim didn't find it. No, maybe it wasn't funny at the time. I don't know. It's fucking funny to me now. And if somebody said that to me in one of in one of my shows, I'd be like, wow. Well, just, start cracking Let's... up Wonderwall, obviously. No, I just, I'd probably yeah. invite them up for a conversation. Like, what do you mean exactly? Like? <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's obviously, there's sometimes, it's not fun when the person is obviously either trashed or having a mental illness yeah. event. And disturbing things for other people. That's when it becomes not fun, when they don't stop. But if somebody's inspired to yell something really dumb funny just once, then you'll just be like, <laughs> just like catch it like a ball. Be like, all right, no. Um, yeah. One of the best ones I think I remember us having was, I can't remember where we were playing. I think it might have been in Europe somewhere. It was in Holland. I couldn't I work exactly out if it was, what you're going to say. Yeah, you know what I'm going to say. And I couldn't, I couldn't work out if it was ironic or not, but someone was just clapping and went, good song. That's <laughs> the do you know what the I best heckle so of all time is after the first one. song one more <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna remember that well how about that from jessica moss oh i love that i love I, that chat. I am so jealous i wasn't in the room uh bone to pick with you guys or peeve with you guys um she played on the bi- the biggest song by Arcade Fire, and none of you thought to bring that up. And I talk know, about I it. know. Even in the two hours that we spoke to her, there just wasn't time, Joe. That, I mean, it was. Mind. I mean, honestly, it was a it was a full chat, and it was and it was great and very well done to you guys. But she played on Wake Up. Like that's <laughs> that's like an anthem. And you I know, man. Even, I mean. Well, that means we, we talked. We t- I don't know. I don't think it even made the edit, but we we actually even talked about collaborating with other artists. And you stink. We you could stink have done it, and I hate you. But I thought it, it might just be one of those questions she gets asked a lot. You know what I mean? Oh, you play with Arcade Fire. Tell us about that. I I didn't think that. I wanted to talk to her about it, but it's more valuable to me. Your face now, Joe. Uh, we'll just have to get her back. We'll just have to get her back on it again. Yeah, I mean, she will definitely. She's, there's definitely a lot more that we could probably talk about. So she was great. She was super open, super interesting, super passionate. Clearly, as well. Uh, yeah, that, yeah, was, co- that listen, was great. I'd love to have her back on. Listen to the new album when it comes out. 
when you when you lot all get to listen to it then listen to it because it's great <laughs> honestly Steve can't be given anything oh. he's such a little he's the kid like, if when, if he was given like uh, a chocolate pudding or something when he was a kid he'd walk around shoving all the other kids <laughs> oh look I've got a chocolate pudding <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that was amazing so yeah the album comes out on what date Kieran the 19th of November and what's it called Jack it's called Phosphines Steve when's she on tour and where she's on tour around Europe in November and go on her website to check her the dates and I'll yeah. see you there Jack I made you a mixtape you did mate because you're all wrong because he's wrong love it hey hey yeah okay I'll accept that I was wrong because I'm telling you now it was great okay shut so, up no it's not it was re- honestly I think Kira did a great <laughs> it. job it, I think Kira did a great job honestly because um, first of all it was a playlist well put together good so high okay. score is coming your way for the playlist I've learned from the master yeah, reasoning thus. So you've got a great intro, you've got a nice little gentle kind of ambient intro to the playlist. Starts to build up, Day the World Went Away, class. Then we hit a highlight fairly early on, third song in, 28 goes four. I've scored all these tracks, that got nine out of ten on the jackometer. Wow. So wow. I've written awesome exclamation mark. So yeah, <laughs> I really love that song. And I think it's that track and tracks like that that are like, give you a good understanding of why he went into soundtracks because I think his his kind of MO and his skills are actually in production and are in like sound design really I think that's where he is really excels so I think 28 Goes 4 is definitely one of the big highlights I know what you were doing putting I'm Afraid of Americans on there appealing to my uh, Bowie fan the sneaky yeah. sneaky Bowie <laughs> intro but that was just in case you didn't like any of the other tracks but controversially, lowest scoring song on the playlist. <laughs> that is that wow. is the that is a Bowie song that I don't like. Do you know what it's I did listen bit... to it? I did listen to it again when I put it on the playlist, and I forgot just how nineties it sounds. It's so very 90s. dated. Have yeah. you seen the video? Yeah, yeah the video. I was going to say that <laughs> I don't know the other songs you've mentioned. I know that, and I the thing I remember it about it is that video. It's, it's yeah. just oh. Yeah, fake, it's tough fake one. shooting each other. Yeah, like air shooting. Yeah, but it just sort of felt a, this sort of really twee, twee anti-Americanism, like from like pre 9/11. This kind of like really mm. twee. I, I'm afraid of Americans, man. I, I went to the uh, to <laughs> the DNA it? exhibit, uh, which had all the, all the Bowie stuff. The the what the exhibit that Bowie didn't approve of but it had those videos playing and it had uh, the outfit he wore in that video and that was the only part of the exhibition where I was just like I don't care about that <laughs> I've put notes here uh, weird na na na's and jungle beats which kind of really puts it in a sort of period of time for me yeah 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 the thing the, thing, uh, the mad thing I don't understand about Trent Reznor because I do think he's great with his soundtracks uh mm. But I don't understand how he got into that position of being like the big, like he was a big superstar. I imagine a lot of yeah. people and super powerful within the music industry. Like I imagine a lot of people don't quite understand why Jack White is in that position now, because it like it's sort yeah. it's not mainstream, but it is. But it is very popular. But that's not something I've ever really understood. But he didn't go into um, he didn't go into composition alone. He went into it with. Uh, Atticus Ross when he did No sure show, but I'm so. not talking about composition I'm just talking about he was you know he was given his own subdivision of a massive record yeah, label of course yeah. I, I, but I don't know how he was gi- I don't know what he did to earn that <laughs> it was I basic- think it's 
Do you want? Do, just, does this playlist give you an indication as to why people love Nine Inch Nails and Trent Reznor? Um, well, the thing is, I think Kieran left off a lot of what I would call them the hits, the ones that I've heard of. Mm. Right. So I think most people, when they think of Nine Inch Nails, like me, they would think of like Perfect Drug and Closer and Hurt. So all mm. of that wasn't on there, which is good. So I feel good. that would have tainted it a bit. Good playlist trick. Well done. Very good. But I think also it wasn't just the kind of ambient soundtrack stuff that I loved. I really loved You Know What You Are, surprisingly. Well, the reason I put that on is because that's a drummer's track. That's for drummers, that track. Yeah. <laughs> is um, the Bowie track the weakest on the list because you really hate that track? Or is it the strength of the rest of the playlist? No, I just, to be honest, I just don't think it's a great song. I think plus oh. it, it probably stands out compared to the other songs on there so maybe it's a bit of both well first heard, first first thing i'm taking from that is that's a score down for the playlist maker from what you're saying you were pandering it was a cheap trick and you were yeah. pandering kieran <laughs> yeah. and you second thing is i was toying <laughs> with trying. committing to listening to this thing myself over the coming week along with joe what do you reckon I, should I, we I, listen I, to it and i would like to listen to it we uh, in fact actually we need to let our listeners listen to it so there'll be a link to the playlist in the description of this podcast oh yeah we could all enjoy it together or <laughs> send kieran hate unless unless jack doesn't recommend it do you reckon we'll also be turned we could say we're in this together another track eight out of ten that oh, one wow. stuck with me all day i was humming that back all day man that's a good tune Okay. And again, not one of his ambient ones, but one of the kind of more like banging tunes. So, overall score of the playlist? Um, I think Bowie, Cheap Trick. I think you know me, and I think you've picked the ones I would like. I'm going to go with. I say it's strong, 8 out of 10, because you've turned me into a 9 Inch Nails fan. That's 8 out of 10. Good. 80%. 80%. That's pretty good. That's it, that's it. Well, Up on yeah, that's 75 a from last time. Yeah, and I don't mind. I don't mind it. But Steve, Steve, you and I mean, bear in mind this was catered for Jack, so we can judge it over the week, seeing yeah. as we both know Jack. See how well he's judged that. As like, because as you said, you thought I'd made a great playlist for Kieran. Yeah, exactly. That's not. That's not. That's not how I'd introduce you to certain Beatles songs. I thought anyway, I made a great playlist for Jack. That's, yeah, oh, it's and that's the aim of in the official in the official record books. That's is that's the score that will go down. But we don't mind also giving our opinion on it. We're the we're the guys watching the match in the pub. I, I'm just <laughs> interested to. I just like to understand why they why they are massive because they are massive. Um, I think I think they were good with their branding. I think that's one of the other things. They're mm. clear, you know what I mean? Like their imagery was very like specific. Sure. You could tell like a set, like a live set was theirs. Yeah, and the sound was qu- pretty quickly quite unique, even if you didn't like it. Mm-hmm. So okay, so another successful playlist. Why don't Kieran? Another successful interview. Kieran, why don't you tell us about the guest on next week's episode? <laughs> oh man, I am so pumped. We have got. Hari Kondabolu oh on the podcast. Ooh. How Ooh. did we get name, Hari Kondabolu on the podcast? It, oh, baby. Which, for, the, for those that don't know, Hari Kondabolu is a great comedian. You can whoa, see whoa, 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 whoa! Not what? facts. We're not going to. We're not. No, 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 no. I'm he's, giving right, opinions he's, here. He's I'm just firing opinions all over the place. Isn't he? Well, I don't know. I'm just checking if I need to do work for next week. <laughs> You've cool. well, obviously you do. Okay. Uh, no, I'm just giving opinions here. He's a great comedian. You can see his specials on Netflix if you want to watch them in time for next week. Uh, he made the news in recent years, uh, famously for his documentary, The Problem with Apu, 
which subsequently got a poo taken off The Simpsons, and rightfully so, uh, and stopped, uh, you know, a white guy doing, quite frankly, a really offensive accent that somehow (laughs) had gone unnoticed for years and years. It was such a good chat with Hari. One, we couldn't believe he said yes. Two, you should have seen Kieran's face talking to the guy. (laughs) He was so delighted. And, yeah, it was one of those ones where... he is one of Ke- he's definitely Kieran's favourite comedian, and for us, he's a big part of our tour bus playlist as well. So on the long journeys on the autobahn when we're on tour, we'll generally listen to comedy albums, and a lot of the time it's him. So it was really cool talking to him. He gave us loads of time. It was very early in the morning, so I haven't actually listened back to it yet or edited it, but I'm hoping we don't sound tired because yeah, I'm hoping we don't sound too tired. Because we recorded it, I think one a.m. our time. Plus, I had uh, to, I had to get over the fact that I wasn't watching TV or listening in the in the tour bus. You know, like it, it was so one of those voices that you yeah. know so well when when they're actually talking back to you, responding to what you're saying. It, it's a bit weird. That's a really good point as well because he had uh, he had a really good mic as well, so he was crystal clear, <laughs> and so it sounded like when you hear him on podcasts such as The Bugle or one of the other ones he does. Um, but yeah, so that's great. I really hope you enjoy that one next week, guys. Well done on Jessica Moss. Proud of you all. Oh, Thank thanks, Joey. Three little uh, baby Kieran. birds flying without. <laughs> Kieran, well done. Well done without. Uh, well done with Jack's playlist. It sounds like it was a raging success. I look forward to listening to it. Um, and I guess all, uh, uh, all we all we need to be all we all we need to say now is. Um, He's so he keeps us. Oh. He's so professional no. all the time, and then as soon as he right, well, yeah, because I was tricking you, mate. Oh. You might be thinking, what has Jeremy Beadle been about? Because you've been craned. <laughs> See you next week. <laughs>